Like, how many times have you just given yourself to something and there's not, like, reciprocation on the other side? You know what I mean? Like, you give yourself to a, a, a person and they're not giving themselves back. Or you give yourselves to a, a, a thing and it just doesn't reciprocate, but we keep, we keep doing it, don't we? <laughs> like, we're... We keep, we, we're Charlie Brown kicking at that football again and again. Like, I, think about the things that you give your brain space or have given your brain space. Think about the things that you have allowed to get your hopes up. Think about what you've given your time to or your love to or your body to or your money to. That turned out to be a cheat. There turned out to be nothing on the other side, whether it's a, you know, like this happens in relationships frequently, where one person's all in and the other person's maybe not so in. Or maybe you gave yourself to a leader, whether a church leader, a business leader, whoever, and, and you, 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 were, you were all in for them. But they weren't all in for you. Sometimes we give ourselves to things, like a hobby. Nothing wrong with hobbies, right? But like, like if, that's, if that's where the heart is invested, you know what I mean? And it's like, hey, hey, I'm going to hobby my way to a full heart. I'm going to possession my way. I'm going to give myself to possessions. I'm going to give myself to achievement. Whatever it is, like you give yourself to it and it just doesn't deliver back ever, right? We got any achievers in here? People who like achieving things. You know how I feel about every, every time I achieve something new. Like before I achieve it, I'm like, I'm all about this. Once I achieve it, I'm like me. <laughs> Literally every time. Like work so hard. And then once I do it, I'm like, oh, it's not a big deal. I did it. You know, anybody could do it. It's not that good. <laughs> and sometimes you've been taken advantage of, right? Sometimes you... you, you just like I, I was, you get taken in by somebody or something. And, and you don't want to get fooled again, you know? Like, the, the, who even wrote a song about that? And you start getting jaded and, and cynical and distant. You know, you know pe- people with that hard cynical shell, like I can have sometimes, all that is is a person who's been let down when they gave themselves. A lot of the time that we think that this is how it actually works with God. That what we need to do is go all in so that God maybe will. Right? Like you, you've got to perform up to snuff. You've got to be fully invested so that God might look on your life with favor. You know, like it's like we're all in uh, the, the, the Chorus Line movie. You guys know Chorus Line, right? The musical? People don't know. God, I hope I get it. I hope I get it. How many people does he need? How many boys? Look at all the people. At all the people. How many? You're hitting jazz hands? No? You should apologize to me, Jake. You guys need to get up on chorus line. Michael Douglas is in it. It's great. But we, we kind of we see our daily lives like, 
Like, like we think we've got to do something real special to get God's attention, right? That we need to go all in. We need to be fully invested. We need to give ourselves so that God may be well. And, and it's understandable because that, that really is how most religions work. Um, whether, you know, in the, in the ancient world where they, they practiced like child sacrifice, that would be an extreme example, but that's what they were trying to do. They were trying to show that whatever God they were worshiping, like, look, look how much I'm in. Look how invested I am. Or, uh, or, or, or like um, closer to home, like the Lakota Sundance. I never would ever heard of that. This was a, a ritual that the Lakota people would sometimes do where the young men would actually have straps pierced through their chest, tied to a pole, and they would spend hours going around this pole until the straps ripped through their chest. That's gross. Little t- but that's the idea. Is they were trying to prove how invested they were. Right? A lot of people, that's their understanding of like how it works with God. You've got to prove it. You've got to be all in. You've got to be fully invested. You've got to give yourself in order for God to begin to reciprocate to you. In the scriptures, there's a central institution that comes up again and again. And we talk about it here frequently. It's covenant. Now, that's a word that doesn't mean a whole lot to a whole lot of us. But a, a, a covenant is the most binding commitment you can make. Okay? It, it, for Harry Potter fans, it's like the unbreakable vow. Okay? You can't get more... I see a few of you. Yeah, okay, you don't know Chorus Line, but some of you know Harry Potter. It's the unbreakable vow. You can't get more committed the, um, than the unbreakable vow. That's the idea of covenant. It's, it's, a, it's an agreement between two parties. It's a legally binding agreement that makes non-family family. So in our culture, we have marriage and adoption. Non-family members make a covenant and become family, right? And, and in, in, in the Bible, what we see again and again, from, from cover to cover, is that God covenants with us. God makes the unbreakable vow to us that before we're ever pursuing after God, that God gives himself to us, not the other way around. And, and when we look at uh, Exodus chapter 24, just to recap, because it's been, it's been a little while since we've been in Exodus, Where did we start? With Israel in slavery. God rescues them out. He brings them through the wilderness. They complain all the way. That's pretty much what's happened so far. He brings them to Mount Sinai. He gives them the Ten Commandments. And now he is entering into covenant with them. This is the making of a covenant. We see all the elements of a covenant right here. First of all, we see a covenant mediator. Look at verses one and two. And if you're a note taker, this is something you want to write down. A covenant mediator. It says, Then he said to Moses, Come up to the Lord, you and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel. So a representative body goes up Mount Sinai to meet with God and worship from afar. Moses alone shall come near to the Lord, but the others shall not come near and the people shall not come up with him. So Moses goes into the presence of God on behalf of the people. Now this is really, really important. It becomes really important not only in the book of Exodus, but later in the Bible. Because the mediator 
when he is speaking to God, he is the people of God. But when he's speaking to the people, he speaks for God. Makes sense? That's what the mediator does. They are the linchpin of the covenant. And what we're going to see when you look throughout the Bible is the people are only as faithful as their mediator. When we look at the kings of Israel, that's, what, that's their job. The, the, the king of Israel is the covenant mediator. When, the, when they walk away from God, the nation walks away from God. When they're faithful to God, the, the nation follows God, right? Mediator is super duper key. So first of all, we see a mediator. Second, we see the commitments. Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the rules and all the people answered with one voice and said, all the words that the Lord has spoken, we will do. Now, what are these words and rules? Well, you'll notice that we're in chapter 24. And before chapter 24 are chapters 20 through 23, right? Chapter 20 was the Ten Commandments. 20, uh, 21 through 23 is the book of the law. It's sort of the, the Ten Commandments spelled out in certain situations. We will go back to it, all right? So we're, we're going to backtrack and cover it. There's a reason why we're doing this today. Um, but every covenant has commitments with it, right? Like if you marry someone, it's not a commitment that doesn't come with, with you know, rules and certain codes of conduct, right? Whether it's, I'm going to be faithful, I'm going to respect you, I'm going to always be with you, I'm going to be there, right? Like you're promising things. Adoption, same thing. Okay? And so when we look at what the law of God is, it's, it's covenant commitment. It's God saying, I'm going to be your God. You're going to be my people. Making sense? Everybody following me so far? So we got mediator. We got covenant commitments. Okay? Now, it gets weird. Verse 4. Moses wrote down all the words of the Lord. He rose early in the morning and built an altar at the foot of the mountain and 12 pillars according to the tribes of Israel. So at the foot of the mountain, that's where the people are. God, God's presence is at the top of the mountain. The, the, the people are at the foot of the mountain. What does he make? He makes an altar and he does what? Uh, 12 pillars according to the 12 tribes of Israel. Are you catching the symbolism here? In front of the people, he makes an altar, which is representative of God. And then he makes 12 pillars, which is representative of the, the people, the two sides of the covenant, right? The two parties that are entering into covenant together. Okay, here's the weird part. He sent young men of the people of Israel who offered burnt offerings and sacrificed peace offerings of oxen to the Lord. And Moses took half the blood and put it in basins. And half of the blood he threw against the altar. So what's happening? They are sacrificing oxen and saving the blood in jars. And half of the blood goes on where? On the altar, which represents God. Thank you. Then he took the book of the covenant, right? The, the book of the law that we just talked about and read it in the hearing of the people. And they said, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do and we will be obedient. Okay, that's the second time they've said that. And Moses took the blood and threw it on the people and said, behold, the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. 
So I don't know if they were expecting this. Like if you were there that day, you're like, okay, that went on the altar. What's he going to do with it? Oh, <laughs> here it comes. Now, does that mean everybody got blood on them? No, it's, it's representative. So what's going on here? Why are these sacrifices made? And why is blood put on God and on the people? This is the covenant sacrifice. This is signing on the dotted line of a covenant. In the ancient world, you didn't have a contract until you sacrificed an animal. Okay? And, and the reason they did that is to represent the consequences for breaking your word. It is the unbreakable vow. Right? Do you get what the consequences are? You are saying, I am going to be faithful to this covenant, to all these promises I'm making on pain of death. May what happened to this animal happen to me. God is making that covenant and his people. Okay? So you've got the mediator, you've got the commitments, and then you've got the sacrifice. Right? And then we have the fellowship meal. Look at verses 9 through 11. Then Moses and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel went up, and they saw the God of Israel. There was under his feet, as it were, a pavement of sapphire stone, like the very heaven for clearness. And he did not lay his hand on the chief men of the people of Israel. They beheld God and ate and drank. That's weird. Right? What, is it, what do they mean? Like, I, I, I think that this has to be a vision of some kind. Because just in a couple of chapters, Moses asks to see God, and God says, no man can see me and live. Right? So, so, so they weren't having a... It was... I don't know. It, it doesn't really get explained, but you will notice, like, there's not even a description of the feet. No toenail description, anything like that. So I think that this was some, some kind of symbolic language. The only thing that's described is what's under the feet. Right? Now, you have to remember, this is the ancient world. They made statues and representations of their gods. Like, they could tell you what Marduk or Balhaman looked like. No problem. Like, we made a statue of them. Go look. But, but when it comes to God, whatever experience they had of God uh, is something that they cannot put into words. Right? But also, let's not bury the headline. They had a fellowship meal with God. This is how, this is, this is, this is like the wedding feast, right? You make a, a covenant at a wedding and then, then you, you party afterwards. This is part of entering in uh, to the marriage, right? So God is giving himself to his people. We have the mediator, the, the, the commitments, the sacrifice, and the meal. Now, the Bible does not stop at Exodus 24, does it? This, uh, for those of you who are going to be here for the next couple of weeks, there's a whole cycle concerning this covenant that is really, really key for, for, for our understanding of the entire Bible. So the next three sermons build on each other. And the first thing we need to understand is what a covenant means is that God gives himself. He binds himself. Far from we go all in and God maybe pays attention. Before his people knew 
You know, like his people who are half committed, who are grumbling all through the wilderness, God brings them to himself with the intention of giving himself to them. Okay? Not only that, but we start to hear, as the, as the Old Testament goes on, we start to hear about a new covenant. Right? One that will be even greater than the first covenant. This, of course, is fulfilled in Christ. The book of Hebrews tells us that Jesus is the mediator of a better covenant. Also, Jesus is the covenant sacrifice. Right? Like, far from a God who asks us to give ourselves, we have a God who laid down his life and went to a cross for us. And also, we're invited into fellowship. We'll get, get to more of that later. We don't have a God who's asking us to audition. We have a God who binds himself to us, who gives himself to us, who lays it all on the line. Some of us are trying really hard to win God's favor. You think you've got to somehow prove that you're, you're worthy, you know? Like you've got to have good enough moral behavior. You've got you to gotta sing so loud. Singing loud worship is good. Moral behavior is good. But here's the thing. It's not earning God's smile. It it is not what you have to do in the hopes that God's going to respond. Actually, you giving yourself is a response to what God has, who has already given himself, who is already all in, who is already fully committed. We need to give ourselves to Jesus. Not so that he responds, but as our response. The truth is, Many of us, myself included, are holding back. We're partially committed. You know? We're, we're, we're somewhat in. That there are behaviors in my lifestyle that I've not submitted to God. Because I'm afraid of what life means without that. I'm afraid of relinquishing control. I'm, ref- I'm afraid of trusting God with this. I, I think that I've got to keep on doing this thing. I think I've got to keep on, keep on functioning this way in order to keep myself safe, in order, you know, to, to protect myself. It also may be that we've not given over all that we believe, right? The way that we understand the world, a lot of the time, it's, it's partially submitted to God. It's partially committed you know, we have a lot of our own understanding that we've built up or, or that, that our culture has informed. And we haven't, like, when, when our cultural beliefs or our personal beliefs bump up against the teaching of God's word, we're like, well, I don't know if I want to believe that. I don't know if I want to go with that, right? What's actually going on is something in the heart, not the head. It's being unwilling to fully trust God and fully, fully give ourselves to God. You may be a really self-protected person. You know? And it's just habit for you that you've got distance. You've got, you got buffer zone around you. 
It affects all your relationships. It's, it begins like taking that down and experiencing what it is to truly be known and loved, right? By God's people, by other people, by God himself. It begins with us not giving ourselves to Jesus so that he hopefully loves us back, but because God has fully given himself to us to give ourselves to Jesus. I mentioned more on the fellowship meal. You know what Jesus says on his last night before he goes to the cross? He took bread and he gave thanks. And he said, this is my body given for you. In a like manner, he took the cup. He said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood shed for the forgiveness of sin. This is the covenant meal. This is what Jesus left us. This is how we're reminded that Jesus gave himself for us. When we come forward, we actually enter into fellowship with him. And when we come forward here, what that means is saying, so help me God, I want to give myself totally to Jesus. We're going to fail. 